There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on Patreon, ad-free on Monday or on Tuesday here on the main feed. My name is Kenny McIntosh, joined as always by the one and only Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm alright, Kenny. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you doing one day before? Well, let's not talk about what's happening tomorrow. How are you <laughs> doing just generally? I'm good, I'm good. Last night, I sat and watched the Royal Rumble last night. It was a little bit of a struggle because... We so we ended up watching the rumble and then watching the press conference afterwards. Do you know what time people left? The Your house. house. Yes. Your ad, uh, let me think. Uh, I would say around about twenty past four. Oh no 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 no! Quarter past six. <laughs> because the rumble went on to just before five, and then the press conference uh, went started at quarter past five and finished just about six. So it was. It was a lot, but um, there's loads to talk about. But before that, obviously, we have to talk about the, the massive news. I did, al- I did almost message Finn to be like, we might need to do the emergency podcast. Yeah. But I thought, well, let's let it play out. And thankfully, we did let it play out because it, it escalated. So I'm going to be as, I'm going to summarize it as best I can without getting into too much detail. I mean, I don't I don't, think, Kenny, I don't think you need to go into that much detail because it's been reported everywhere. Yes, yeah, but, but the gist of it is. Every news outlet has covered it, haven't they? Yeah, but let, I want to get your take. So Vince McMahon, another set of allegations out from a woman called Janelle Grant. Very serious. You can read them online. Horrible stuff. And 
the, you know, the, these allegations are out there and, you know, it, it's bad. And then on f- Friday, uh, Slim Jim pulled, pulled their sponsorship from the Royal Rumble. Paused. Paused it. Paused. Paused. paused it. Then, but they specifically put a press release out saying, we have paused it due to... Yeah, the, the you know the the hor- horrible allegations against Vince McMahon, yeah. uh, which led to later that day Vince McMahon uh, stepping down and resigning as the CEO or the or you know the the chairman of the board of TKO. So he is now gone and gone for good and has no power anymore. Yeah, I mean he still owns a lot of shares, doesn't he? I think they've got a value of I mean depending on what the trading at now and up. Obviously, stock price did go down as a result of all this, but I think after he resigned, the price did start going back up. It did. So he, he still owns... But he has no power anymore. The power yeah, is but gone. He, yeah, he still has the shares, but he has no power. He cannot come back. It's very different to what happened this time last year. Yeah. But what, so what do you what do you make of... I mean, you know, the, the, the idea of the allegations coming out against him and then him... And then the, the sponsors kind of pausing and then him resigning and that and that kind of 24 hour period what was your kind of takeaway from it um i mean i understand why the sponsors particularly slim jim uh, who we should mention uh reinstated their sponsorship after vince resigned yes. um and they were did actually play quite a large part in the royal rumble didn't they in terms mm-hmm. of like there's a segment there and you know, they showed the commercial and the announcers made a point of really complimenting Slim Jim on the air. They were they were praising Slim Jim like they owned it. Um, so, I mean, that was quite noticeable, just the level of acclaim it received from the announcers. So, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, the whole thing about it is it appears that Vince didn't pay the woman, Janelle, Janelle Grant. Janelle Grant, yeah. Yes, the amount of money that he was supposed to. We believe that's that's the reason why she feels that the NDA that she signed when she accepted this settlement is no longer legally enforceable. That's how we understand it. It's playing out or the situation is at the moment, right? Yes, it's a, essentially the gist of it is that he had, he had got her to sign a non-disclosure agreement for $3 million dollars. He paid her one million of that, and then I believe that. I mean, if you read the full, I've I'll be honest, with you, I've not been able to read the full sixty-seven pages because I I, I just can't stomach it. To be perfectly honest with you, I've yeah. read enough of what I need to see and, and need to hear about. But apparently, she had sort of decided she was no longer going to participate in the things that he was trying to get her to participate in, and that and when she said she wasn't doing that anymore, that's when he decided to stop paying her. But right to your to your point, you know, we we were messaging about it. And you, you brought up a really great point about, you know, how how in this scenario are you not paying this woman all this money that you've agreed to pay her because of all this stuff? It just seems I'm, madness. It's not even a lot of money to Vince McMahon. I no. mean, he's worth billions. He, I mean, it's this is essentially loose change to him. Yeah. It's just like, why wouldn't you pay this woman this money that you've agreed to pay her apparently? And the upshot of you not paying her means that she's then going to go public with all these other information that she had, these things that she alleges that Vince did to her or made her do. And here we are, you know, a few days later, and it's all over for Vince. He's out the door. I mean, there's no way back for him. And it's just, I I just, I just can't really, in a sense, it sort of seems unbelievable 
But then you think, well, hold on a minute, this is Vince McMahon. And we've seen how he reacts or has reacted in the past when he's been challenged in interviews and whether it's knocking the clipboard out of the interviewer's hand or, you know, chasing people, that famous uh, meme online, can't even chasing <laughs> someone down the hallway. You know the one yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, I do, yeah. And other things like, you know, back in 2007, the Benoit tragedy, I remember he appeared on, I think it was Good Morning in America. It was one of the morning shows in America. And there was a woman there who asked him a question and um, and he was responded and she shot back at him. That's a, that's an actual quote from, I can't remember whether it's from him or his company. And you could see Vince was taken aback that someone had corrected him. And this is the person he is. I mean, the guy is, I mean, to, to, to have reached the point he has in his life in terms of business and, you know, overall control over wrestling and just all the things he did back in the 80s where he had to have the nerve to take on the establishment. You know, this is a guy who's basically a law unto himself. You know, he was in the wrestling business. Um, and, yeah, these allegations from uh, Janelle Grant are, you know, really shocking. Um, her lawyer appeared on the Crime Fix podcast um, mm. and stated that, you know, Janelle was, you know, been in an extremely vulnerable position when they first met back in 2019. Um, you know, she'd been targeted and preyed upon. This is what um, her lawyer was saying. And essentially was caged and imprisoned by Vince McMahon and, you know, physically and mentally absolutely destroyed by the whole, whole ordeal. That's what the lawyer was saying. And um, in terms of what happens next, the lawyer was saying that they want to go to trial. So one assumes, Kenny, there will be a settlement, I would think. Yeah, because um, if, if, if there's not a settlement, TKO are in trouble because this is not... A, I think if you read... Even if you read the summary of what happened, it's not just a Vince McMahon issue. It's a systemic issue that involves other executives, it involves different people. Yeah. So, you know, they, they're going to want to do anything they can to not have that go to trial. Yeah, because, they're going to um, want it, yeah. They're going to want this to go away. And um, the lawyer said that she wants the life back and to help other victims. So, you know, a lot of people have asked a lot of questions about, you know, why this went on for like three years. Um, but, yeah, I urge you to, um, you know, listen to that podcast and that should shed some light on it. I saw someone um, say something interesting that I thought was just worth it you know, putting out there, is that whether you believe Janelle Grant or not, and I'm, I mean, I'm I'm not going to get into that, but even if you don't believe things that she is saying happened with Vince McMahon, the text messages alone, which are there, and apparently some people are saying that they are written in Vince-type language, like the way he would speak. So, right. But the texts alone are, are, are bad enough, you know, yeah. like, in terms of somebody who owns a company and has people below them and, and that's happening. So, I mean, you know, it's, I just there's just no way that he can ever come back from this. And the thing yeah. that the thing that kind of makes me really uncomfortable, you know, it's funny because you said at the beginning something interesting about you almost can't quite believe it. And I think it's because you know us. I'm not saying that we're the the, the best people in the world, but it's just it's unfathomable to us to even think of that kind of stuff. It's just not in our brains so how would we ever be able to imagine something that horrible but this is what he was doing allegedly in his 70s what was he doing when he was in his 60s and his 50s and his 40s i mean it 
it makes you, it really makes you think about how many other people might be out there that experience stuff. So it's it's bad, and I mean he he could end up in jail for this if this goes to to trial because no, well it's, it's a civil matter, isn't it? But I mean one thing that did occur to me is that why has she not filed a criminal complaint here? Yeah. You know, if she's got the evidence to back all this lot up, and are there not are the authorities not? Why are they not investigating this one, law enforcement, yeah, rather than this think. being a civil matter? Because, yeah, I mean, it's that there. There are some questions. There are some things about this that I can't quite understand. And that's one of them. Because there's a lot of stuff in here that she alleges that's really, you know, terrible. And um, you do wonder why law enforcement, you know, has not paid him a visit. You yeah. know, and, uh, and he's not answering questions um, about this. And I mean, that's he, he, something that's occurred to me. I'm sure you've thought about that as well, Kenny. Yeah, you know, I have. I mean, he 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 might have friends in high places. Maybe that's why he's he's managed to avoid that. I mean, maybe there's something that she, maybe the maybe the idea that she signed an NDA. Maybe there's something in that that her signing that precludes her from doing a criminal. You know, I mean, American law is just insane. So I, I don't know I'm what it is. Yeah, I'm not sure how all that works, especially in America. And it's different probably from state to state. And it's all very, it's definitely different out there. But you, you do wonder, don't you, with this, with just the amount. I mean, I haven't obviously I haven't read the lawsuit either with all those, you know, massive amounts of text. Um, you know, all the things that are alleged, you just think, well, well, why is, you know, why has this not gone further? Um, and maybe it will do. Maybe it will do. I mean, the amount of attention this has received and international attention of that, you know, I do feel, Kenny, that if this had happened in the UK, that the police would have paid him a visit by now. I'm sure that would have happened if yeah. he lived in the UK. I'm sure knowing what I know about our justice system. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. But I mean, it's, yeah, the... the... So I, I, I do just want to bring up one thing, because obviously we'll be talking about the Rumble, um, and but I'm just going to bring this stuff up now because we're talking about Vince, may as well get it out of the way. So this person was not named in the court documents, but the Wall Street Journal have alleged that Brock Lesnar was involved in this in a in a sense, because there's there's a thing in the court documents that say that a, a, a former a, a WWE superstar whose deal was being renegotiated, who was also a former UFC champion. And with the timing, it could only really be Brock if you were to narrow it down. So he was allegedly, according to PW Insider, supposed to be at Royal Rumble, supposed to be a surprise in the Rumble match, and he was pulled from the event. So the, I guess the questions are now going to be, how, how does that affect the Brock scenario? Because, you know, would you, what, what happens there is this... Is they also, I mean, this is a different regime, because this was under Vince. He probably would have just still used Lesnar on the show. Yeah. But, you know he's. I, I don't. I don't know how you. I don't know how that's going to play out. But um, yeah, I mean, we should mention that you know Lesnar never met her, but there are you know there's some text discourse there. Yeah, and um, yeah, you do wonder how he can fit into plans in future if this is verified, um, and presumably. I, I mean, we we but we all know there's going to be a settlement here. This is not a going to go to civil court and where evidence is going to be read out and pages and pages of witnesses called and et cetera, et cetera. There's just no way. And I'm not sure how much 
they're going to have to settle for, but it's going to be a hell of a lot more than two or three million dollars, I would think, Kenny, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to be anything to anything to stop her from being able to from from stuff coming out. But I mean, exactly, it'll all be sealed and everything because that's the way it plays out. That's the way it works in these situations. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as what happens with the wrestling question, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I mean, presumably they're going to work out when they get together to thrash this settlement out, whether this is true or not. Because remember, it's just allegations, Kenny. Yeah, we yeah. don't know it's true. We don't know if it's true or not. It might not be. It could be and it might not be. It's just an allegation. But I would think that they'll be able to determine once they all meet, they'll be able to determine whether or not this is for real and whether this, you know, this re- whether the person in question is Lesnar, and, you know, he was um, texting, you know, with the messages that he is alleged to have mm-hmm. um, sent. So they'll be able to verify that. And I, I guess if Lesnar does not return, then we'll know, won't we? Yeah. And if and he, he does, then we'll maybe we'll we'll know that there was you know nothing to it. You know, props to I mean. In that in that sense, there's you know props to TKO for acting and getting him off the card yes. while this is being dealt with. So it proves that taking it seriously, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. So the last thing before we go into the rumble, um, you know, obviously a big talking point today is Triple H was asked about it last night at the post show press conference by three different people, and he just what he wasn't only not given an answer. But it seemed like every time he spoke about it, it got worse and worse. And you know, there was a there was a headline that came out about an hour ago as we were podcasting. And I want to try and find it here. It was from a, a website called indie100.com. And the headline is Triple H calls the week that Vince McMahon was accused of sex trafficking amazing. Because that's obviously what he said at one point. He said, you know, this week's been amazing for us. That was one of the lines that he had. I know you posted in your Facebook about <laughs> it not being great. I'm, I'm, I'm not laughing because it's a funny matter, but I'm laughing at the kind of uncomfortableness of it. You know, he just he he just did not come across well. Um, no. What did you make of Triple H's uh, attempt to answer the questions? I thought it was I thought it was very disappointing to put it politely, and um, you know, this is obviously far worse than the world's end business where Tony Khan was asked um, about certain things that had allegedly gone on involving his talent. And he wasn't prepared for that line of questioning at the time. We discussed it, Kenny, and I knocked Tony Khan for not being ready for that question. So I absolutely need to knock Paul Levesque for not being prepared for a question that was inevitable or a line of questioning or more than one question um, from the people who were there. And I just, I'm just astounded that he said what he said. I just want to concentrate on the positives, not the negatives. It was also and the like, fact that he said, it was also the fact that he said to the, the reporters that we read it when you read it. It's like, well, Cody can say that because Cody obviously answered a question earlier. And you can believe that's, you know, Cody did read it when he found out because he's a talent. But yeah. Triple H is an executive who is named in the lawsuit as being one of the people on an executive committee last year who was supposed to look into all our allegations against Vince and 
Janelle Grant claims to have never been contacted. So there's no way that Triple H can't have known about it in some way, or at least read the lawsuit before the Wall Street Journal published it. So by him saying, I read it when you read it, it's, it's kind of an insult to all of us who are covering this stuff. Yeah. I believe wasn't some legal representative from WWE, didn't he say that they did reach out to her lawyer? Did you catch that? Yes, yeah, yeah, he did say that. I mean, the thing I didn't get was why, what, if I was Triple H, right, and I know, I, obviously I don't have any legal knowledge of what he is or is not allowed to say, but the, I mean, obviously let the first question come in, or he yeah. should have just said, do you know what, it's a really dark cloud over what otherwise would have been an amazing week for us. Yeah, we want to we want to focus on our talent. We want to focus on the people who are here. I wish I could talk to you about it and give you more clarification or answers, but legally I'm not allowed to do so. But it's a great question, and you know, and I, I understand why you asked it. I understand why you asked it, and you know, I want to just put out there that the safety of all of our employees is really important, and we need to going forward assure you know make make sure that our employees are. are feel safe or whatever you know something and yeah. if he'd said all that i think we'd have all been like do you know what fair play yeah we would have said you know what because legally he won't be able to go into any specifics right no. No. i think he also said that he he hadn't read the lawsuit right yeah that, that's, what, that's what i was saying he said he said i read it when everybody else read it it's like yeah come on uh i mean yeah there's a lot more he could have said he didn't come across sympathetic and uh, he's usually very good in these situations. So I was quite surprised and and really, you know, deeply disappointed by the way he just sort of batted it off and just deflected it. And it was just didn't, you know, it was just, you know, I just want to talk about business. It's like, well, you can't just talk about business because this is a huge public interest story. And the bottom line is, right, if there was nothing to this, Right? Would Vince have actually paid her off in the first place? You know what yeah, I mean? It's a, it's a good point. I mean, I the, mean the, the other thing that opens it up as well is that, you know, S- Stephanie left in January when he came back. Why yeah. did she, why did she, you know, at the time we were like, why did she leave? Yeah. The board unanimously um, opposed Vince's return and he overruled them because he had the power to do so at the time. They knew that this was going to be a problem. They knew because it was all... I remember writing about it last year in Inside the Rubs magazine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where's this going? You know, is how many unexploded bombs are there? I think that was a phrase I used. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's a massive one that's just, you know, gone off and just ended... You know Vince's, you know, involvement with WWE, but he should never have returned. Obviously, because when you open up the when you open up Pandora's box, it's like I'm not saying Triple H or Paul Levesque, sorry, knew all the ins and outs of what this relationship was, but he absolutely knew some of it going into this. So to to say what he said, I think it's like if you if you're gonna have I mean, I knock Tony Khan a lot for these press conferences, right? Because he, he never gives you an answer to anything, right? He yeah. always says, no comment, no comment. But he did say when the this, this stuff was put up about, you know, the, the accusations at the World's End press conference, he did say, you know, I'm going to, he said something along the lines of, I'm going to make sure that our talent are taken care of and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so he did say something, but he didn't lie to us. Like he didn't, he, he didn't give us anything, but he didn't lie to us. I feel like with Paul Levesque, he he lied in something that was very clear. And I just 
don't get why he did it. I, I, he seems like quite a clever guy, and I think it was a real misstep for him to. I think, I think he actually, actually, a lot of goodwill was lost. He, put, he, he put more heat on himself there than he ever needed to. Yeah, he, he came across at best really cold, didn't he? Yeah, at and best, really cold at best. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, but anyway, let's... Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I just, you know, I just don't understand why he wasn't better prepared for those questions and didn't say some things. I mean, you know, Vince is gone, he's resigned. So obviously people are going to be asking about this. You know, we, as I said, these allegations, we don't know what is and isn't true. But Vince had to go. You know, Slim Jim didn't want to be part of Royal Rumble anymore. And obviously, some they've got together with Vince and said, Vince, you've just got to go. This looks so bad. You know, this is really bad for the company and you just need to go. It's your time to leave now yeah. because of this situation. So, I mean, Levesque should have acknowledged how bad it was. And um, and that, um, you know, yeah, as you said, you know, this this has been, a, you know, a very difficult week for, for lots of us. And, um, you know, there's and things have been said. And allegations have been made. And um, as you know, someone has stepped away from the company. Um, he could have acknowledged that. He didn't have to mention the person by name because we would have known who he was referring to. And, um, and we're, you know, we're trying to, we're, we're going to put safeguards in place that this can't happen again. It's a new regime now. And then just sort of moved on to a new regime and just, you know, kind of, Move forward and try to put distance, blue water between yourself and and this, you know, the past. Even though it's twenty twenty two, I mean, it's not even in the distant past that this allegedly happened. But try and move the whole story forward. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as firefighting went, there he he did a woeful job. I felt he just and the fact that we're discussing it now instead of saying yeah, Triple H, you know, handled that with sensitivity. Uh, but was also professional and only said what he could say because we would all understand, wouldn't we? That you know, say, listen, I can't talk about that for legal. Talk about this for legal reasons because I'm sure he can't. But there's a lot of things he could have said that would have made it look like he cared. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he, and he, like I say, he he unnecessarily put more heat on himself because yeah. he we we knew that he knew something or knew elements of it. And to say he knew nothing actually I thought was quite disrespectful to, you know, uh, to, to people who cover wrestling, 
to Janelle Grant to a lot of people. And I just, yeah, I just, I, I didn't get it. But that, that's what he said. Um, but I, I do think, you know, I know some people have been kind of saying that, I know some of the journalists who were there who did ask those hard questions and I've got massive respect for them for doing that. Massive respect yeah, for being sure, in that yeah, room. Um, because, you know, there's when you're in that kind of room, there is this thing where they're wooing you a, a bit, you know? WWE are bringing you into this space and they're making you feel dead important and, and all that. And it's very easy to get sucked into the, I'm going to play ball kind of thing. And for those people to, to ask the tough questions in a professional way, I, I appreciate it a lot. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. So, I don't really have much to bring up from SmackDown. We did have a title change on SmackDown with the Kabuki Warriors becoming the new tag team champions, new women's tag champs. Um, what did you make of that title change? And is there anything else on SmackDown you want to quickly give a mention to before we talk about the Royal Rumble? Um, yeah, I thought um, Asuka and Carrie Sane versus Caden Carter and Katana Chance. I thought it was a really good match. It was very well put together by the producers, and I thought they executed it like stars. And it felt like a big match that mattered, and the audience believed it mattered. Maybe they didn't at the begin beginning of the match, but certainly, you know, two thirds of the way in, the audience realized that they were watching something that was, you know, a match of some weight, of some consequence. And, um, yeah, some really good near falls. Um, in the end, um, in the end, the finish came after an assisted insane elbow. Uh, and Bailey, Eosky and Dakota Kai came out afterwards and celebrated with the new tag team champions, Asuka and Kairi Sane. So, I mean, Caden Carter and Katana Chance, they did have... They were able to salvage a little bit of dignity when in the Royal Rumble match. Yep. So hopefully they will still be in the plans. But uh, yeah, this was the best women's tag team match I've seen in this company in a very long time. Uh, well, let's move on to the Royal Rumble itself, the pay-per-view or the PLE. So we it was in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, Tropicana Field, which was the home of the Thunderdome for a while. Back in, I think, the 2021 Royal Rumble was here. At this same stadium? Yeah, I think so, they did mention that, didn't they? Yes. Um, so we opened the show with the returning Pat McAfee. He is back for, I guess, just tonight for the, the oh, Rumble. Oh, no, no, Nick. Anyone about the return of Hulk Hogan? Oh, God. Yeah, he... Because they played... We, we watched the kickoff show because we were obviously all around at mine just watching it. And we watched the kickoff show and they showed the whole video on there. And then they played it again at the beginning. Um, apparently, he was very heavily booed in the building. Was right. Hogan, so you know, yeah. Just... I mean, he was there basically as a cheerleader, wasn't he, for St. Petersburg area, which you know, he's lived in that area for years, yeah. And um, he was just you know, he was there doing his tourism bit, wasn't he? Reminded me of the sh- uh, the shining stars, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sell their, their shares, their timeshares. <laughs> um, he, he did a really good job, and Hogan's very charismatic, but you know, the, for the obvious reasons that we've, we've talked about, loads, you know, it just doesn't work anymore. No, it doesn't. People, it just it doesn't. And um, yeah. Um, anyway. But we opened the show with the, the women's Royal Rumble match. So um, I'll kind of go through bits of it and just kind of try and get your take on your parts. But we open it with Natalia's in at number one, and she's joined by Naomi, who returned at number two. And the, the new the, the new camera director, or Kevin Dunn's replacement, he had this, I thought, very interesting way of having people's names pop up with a time. Of how long they've been in the match, yes. For the Rumbles. I thought that was quite an interesting, you know, way to make his mark by doing something different. 
Yeah, like a sports thing, because, I mean, he is a sports guy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And it's like they'll mention that on commentary, but then you forget it, and it, but it's there on screen, and it was like one point was the uh, three people who'd been in there the longest. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just a real – since the times – that people have been in the match, especially if they uh, set new records or set a new record as Bailey did here, um, then it, it's something they bring up, isn't it? So it's not like some geeky thing. It's something that they make a point of mentioning. So why wouldn't you use it as an, you know, make it an on-screen graphic? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then the, so, and then we had Bailey at number three, who obviously was a big favourite. And then number four, we had Candice LeRae. But number five... We had TNA Knockouts champion Jordan Grace. Yes. Big surprise. And she got to be in for quite a while and got had a very good showing, I thought. Yeah, well, she's a heck of a talent. I mean, I uh, should mention that Naomi, uh, she was serenaded by Welcome Back Chance. And you, she seemed really moved, didn't she? She, yeah, seemed, she, she was she was like, and she had a great night in the, in the ring, did uh, Naomi. I thought she, she did until good. almost near the end, right? Because uh, Jade Cargill eliminated her later on, I think. That's it, yeah, yeah. She had a really good night, and Jordan Grace and uh, Naomi they had hug. Jake, obviously, Jordan Grace beat Naomi for the TNA Knockouts title at Hard to Kill just two weeks ago. So uh, they acknowledged that, they acknowledged on commentary that Grace had beaten Naomi for the belt. So I mean, I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, so yeah, they had a hug, and then they started beating each other, each other down. And yeah, it was a really, really good start to the match, actually. And the audience were, were into it from the very beginning. Yeah, they, they, they really were. Um, so then we had Indy Hartwell at number six. God bless her. Uh, Asuka was at number seven. But then number eight, Finn, Ivy Nile, she just could not get anything to work. No. It just was not a good night for Ivy. It wasn't a good night. The only person who had the worst night was uh, sadly Maxine Dupree. Yeah, who just should never be booked in the ring again based <laughs> on this performance. Uh, number nine with Katana Chance, the former Casey Catanzaro, and then number ten with Bianca Belair. I mean, she came out and just looked like a star. Did Bianca? You know, she thought she makes her own gear is very impressive. She just looks great. So then we had Kairi Sane at eleven. Tegan Knox at 12, Kidden Carter at 13, 14 was Chelsea Green. And we didn't really get another big name till number 19, Nia Jax. We ended up having Chelsea Green, Piper Nevins, Zia Lees, Lena Vega. Maxine Dupree was number 18, and Michael Cole, I don't know if you caught this fun. <clears throat> Michael Cole, as soon as Maxine Dupree was getting in the ring, he said, the heavily improved Maxine Dupree as she <laughs> went for a spinning head scissors that did not go to plan. I mean, she was working mostly with Bailey. And like you could see, Bailey was just telling her what to do, and not in a way where a John Cena way where it would drive you insane, but just not, not screaming she, at her. Yeah, she was just trying to save each spot that they had planned, and um, yeah, I mean Maxine, this wrestling it's just not for her, I'm afraid. Just do not book her in the ring again. And I don't know whose idea this was, but it was, uh, and she tries to do things that are too complicated, that are far beyond her abilities which are, you know, almost nil. And you know what? People wanted to like her. So she she finally, I think, did something that sort of didn't look that terrible. And <laughs> she did, you know, the thank you. And, and people cheered her because she's obviously so stunning. But, I mean, she she just can't do this. And you're right, Ivy Nile and I think Maxine, Maxine Dupree were the only really two weak players in the entire match. I think everyone else actually did all right. Yeah. 
Uh, we oh, had Sha- oh, very well. Yeah, Nia Jax, she came in at 19. She was a, a star of the match in terms of how she was presented. She really put somebody over later that we'll get to. Yeah, th- there was just one thing that Nia did. I mean, Nia is, you know, people say, what are they doing bringing her back? It's like, go and watch this match. That's why they brought her back. Because she's a heel and wants to be booed. And she knows how to play this role and she does it really well. Mm-hmm. There was one part in it where she was booed for being crap. And that's when she when she did a body slam on Piper Niven mm-hmm. and just couldn't hold her. And it was like she wasn't really trying and just dropped her. And people saw that this was due to a lack of effort, not <laughs> due to, you know, ineptitude. It was just Nia Jax like, God, can't be arsed with that. <laughs> Oh, Naya, don't change. Um, we then had Shotzi at number 20. 21 was Becky Lynch, obviously big name. 22 was Alba Fire. 23 was Shayna Baszler. And then 24 was Valhalla, who Michael Cole was very excited about. But then Artrus came out. Because he was like, course... is she going to wear the antlers? Is she going to? And she what? she's wearing the antlers. <laughs> Maybe she slipped to my tenor or something. was like, can you put, put over my antlers, please? Yeah. Um, I mean, Artrus came out because obviously he thought that this was the rumbling shit. Where are the guys? He he just has this comedy timing that you just can't. I I, I don't know how he does it. But no, I don't know how he does it either. Because so, yeah. if anybody else did this, you'd be like, it's go it's go away type stuff. You know, you just. Yeah. But he he's so charming that he gets away with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost this uh, childlike innocence, isn't it, that he has. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, we 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 all we're all in on the joke, of course. And you know, yeah. it's all wink wink stuff. So I mean it's like yeah, and Adam Pierce came out and like, what are you doing? And then he was eliminated by Nia Jax, of course, who eliminated load she eliminated loads of people in this match. Um and then he left and poor Valhalla was eliminated right after our truth had been eliminated. So she didn't really have a very good night. The antlers didn't help. No, I think, and I think Artrus maybe put it off. Okay. Uh, we then had Misha at 25. We had Zoe Stark at 26, who actually thought Zoe Stark had a pretty good night of the Rumble. She fair. did, and can we just say that Shotzi did also. I thought Shotzi yeah. was really good in everything she did. And even though Chelsea Green was kind of, you know, she's still rather clueless. They did lots of stuff with her where she kept getting flattened by Nia Jackson, Piper Niven. <laughs> and it was... Okay, it was absurd, but this is pro wrestling. And Chelsea Green's a comedy character. We know that. That's all she's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. And I thought she did a good job there just getting squashed. And yeah. she was in the match for a long time. So they said, was it last year she was on in it? Was it five seconds, I think it was, last year? Yeah, yeah. She was immediately knocked out last year. So it was good to see her get some time. And yeah, she played She played the role. You know, she knew what role she was there to play. And she played it yeah. to the best of her ability. So uh, then we had... 27, Roxanne Perez, but 28, Jade Cargill is the entrant. And she comes in, has a stare down with Nia Jax. The crowd are chatting holy shit for it. And then Jade picks Nia up after Nia tried to, put, it was, tried to pick her up, hit her with a spine buster, then picked her up for a body slam and basically just chucked her like she was chucking a you know bin bag into the tip. <laughs> You know, just like like it was nothing, like an empty beer can. Yeah, just so. Um, so I mean, so and and then twenty nine was Tiffany Stratton. Thirty was the returning Liv Morgan. But um, talk to me about Jade Cargill. This was, you know, she was a hev- heavily featured part of this last part of the match. Yeah, she had the big 
stare off with Nia Jax, big stare off with Bianca Belair. She was doing, you know, she was on the apron quite a lot, which is stuff that, you know, you, you don't want to put somebody in the apron for a long time unless you're confident they're not going to fall off. Um, she got yeah. to eliminate Becky Lynch and Naomi. How did how did Jade do uh, for you? Yeah, I thought she did okay. I mean, there was one, uh, the elimination of Becky Lynch was quite complicated and that worked really well where she kind of spun round and um, she was, who was she holding? Was it Naomi? It was Naomi. It was, was, it was Naomi, yeah. Naomi, yeah. She spun round with Naomi and Naomi's boot hit Becky Lynch. She was on the apron and Becky Lynch was knocked to the floor. So I thought that looked really good. Um, she did, uh, her and Belair did simultaneous press slams um, on people and then dropped them and then they had the face off and there was big, big response for that. So one imagines that maybe they'll have a WrestleMania match. I'm not sure about that one. Um, she definitely looked better here than she did in AEW. You know, she was moving better. It was a lot smoother in her tra- in her movements. It didn't feel like there was all that hesitation that really marred her matches there. Uh, although I always remember her very last match that she had in that company was, I think, was that with Chris Statlander? I think yeah, she quite- put Statlander over on the way out. Yeah, I think that match was actually okay. Um, but it felt like she'd made a big improvement since we last saw her in AEW as well. She should have done because she's been in the NXT training system for months. And I thought she, you know, she always had that aura and she always looked like she was confident in herself in AEW. That was never her problem. It was just everything. It was the execution of her moves. So they were very careful with what they asked her to do. But I think most of it looked looked really good. Some of it, there was a couple of moments there where you're like, "Mm, that looked a little bit weak. And I do, you know, worry about her in a one-on-one lengthy singles match, how she's going to be. And I know they're worried about that as well. You know they are, because it's taken them this long to debut her. And Triple H, she's comments about her in previous press conferences. If you read, read between the lines, he was letting people know that she just wasn't ready and they weren't going to put her on TV, TV until he thought that she was. It was that simple, wasn't he? He didn't beat about the bush there. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was you know, it was, I thought it was a good debut. It was very carefully managed, micromanaged, one might say. Mm-hmm. Um, and she looked great, but she always has looked great. Um, and yeah, let's let's see what happens on on Monday or Friday. If they're gonna, will she disappear? Will she, or will she be part of either the Raw SmackDown main roster this coming week? That's going to be interesting, Kenny. To yeah, see, no. you know, if if it, if this is now her full-time on the main roster. Um, but yeah, I'm also just going back, just finally, uh, Nia Jax, people say, wow, why did they bring Nia Jax back? Well, apparently they brought her back for this, so that Jade Cargill could eliminate her by herself. I mean, last year, did he say, was it was it multiple people had to gang up on Nia Jax last year to eliminate her? Was it 11 yeah, yeah. or 9 or something like that? Yeah, it was loads, and she was doing a media interview this week where she basically said that that's what happens to her every year, is it t- they all have to get together to get her out. So... You know, the fact that Jade did it on her own this year. I mean, Naya really put Jade over in this. Yes. In, in this and that's, I always like when you see someone who's there to play ball with the other person and, and make them look good. So that's, to me, just as impressive as getting yourself over, is to Absolutely. put somebody else over. To me, Naya Jackson Bailey were the two stars of this match. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I thought also, you know, I thought Tiffany Stratton did well also. Actually, and Liv, Mal- Liv Morgan. She actually, everything she did 
if you go back and watch it, was pretty much spot on. She looked great. And I was and it, really pleased to see that. And it ended up, the we got to the final three, which was Bailey, Jade and Liv Morgan. And they're all in the apron. And then um, Liv Morgan hit her Oblivion move on Jade Cargill to eliminate her. And then Bailey eliminated Morgan. So Bailey won the Royal Rumble. And, you know, Pyro goes off and, you know, we we are sure that it's going to be Bailey and Eo Sky at WrestleMania. So yes. big win for Bailey. One of the biggest yeah. wins of her career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, time of match was 63 minutes and three seconds. Thank you to uh, the graphics guy. Um, and we had backstage sort of shots of Eo Sky watching and also Rhea Ripley was watching. So um, I hope Bailey doesn't make her decision immediately because there's... You know, you could you could have like a Triple H Batista style story there yeah, for a while, definitely. and she could intimate that she's going to challenge Rhea, and then you know at a later date when Eo's you know lulling Eo into a false sense of security, she then announces to Eo that she's going to challenge her. Because it'd be interesting to see actually, you know, will the rest of Damage Control now start sucking up to Bailey? She knows that match a few weeks ago where they didn't help her. Yeah, and the referee's attention was diverted, and now that she's got this guaranteed title match at WrestleMania, what will happen on SmackDown this Friday with the rest of Damage Control? Will Bailey be their you know best pal again? Yeah, I I think like you say, don't don't give away all of it straight away. We've got till the first you know April fifth and sixth, whatever it is. So yeah, lots of time. But yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed this Rumble. I think this is probably my favourite women's rumble since the first one they did back in 2018. I thought they paced it well. And yeah, like apart from Ivy Nile and Maxine Dupree, who had pretty rotten nights, everybody else had a pretty good night, if not a, a great night. Of Yeah, I would agree. And just one final comment about it. I was so pleased that we didn't get a lot of old timers in there and instead we got new talent. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job of of uh, you know even the Chelsea Green thing you were talking about it's like she then was able to sort of play some comedy stuff so you didn't need to bring some of the old back to do a comedy spot because Chelsea was in there to do that stuff so yeah um the next match on the card is Roman Reigns defending the Universal Undisputed Championship against Randy Orton Elliot Knight and AJ Styles in a four-way and this went if you were to write down how this match was gonna go you could probably hit it word for word um Randy Orton's gonna get the win some Sol Sokoa uh, pulls the referee out and in the end Roman Reigns pins AJ Styles to retain the title. What did you make of this match? Um, I mean I enjoyed it. I, I felt like it should have probably gone about a minute longer. It did peak before the finish um, but I, th- I thought what they did actually was really well done. Uh, can I just mention you know, Slim Jim presented this match and this was the match yes. in which the announcers really put Slim Jim over. <laughs> uh, also, I just want to mention as well, Samantha Irvin, what a ring announcer. The amount of effort she puts into a ring announcing is unbelievable. I mean, it's just amazing. Someone, you know, someone had a side of the crowd, which I can't remember what he read. It's like, I'm here to listen to Samantha, you know, <laughs> basically. Um so yeah, I thought I thought Reigns really sold loads here and it was very well structured and laid out and everyone shone. Um, but as you say, it was like, you know, Orton ended up hitting RKOs all round, uh, including one on Reigns. And as he covered Reigns, Solo Sokoa, it seemed like a, you know, a guaranteed surefire pin and Orton was going to pin Reigns finally and he was going to be champ. Solo Sokoa 
showed up at ringside, stopped the referee's count. Of course, it's a fatal four-way, so it's no DQ. And then, you know, there's all sorts of hijinks at ringside with, you know, Knight and Orton being taken out and with Samoan spikes. And then Styles used a chair shot and all sorts of other things went on. Uh, but in the end, yeah, Reigns, I thought the actual finish actually came across really well there with um, Knight was thrown into the ropes, wasn't he? Just as Styles was attempting the springboard. Yes. And Styles fell off and Knight fell to the floor and Styles was all disorientated and Reigns nailed him with the spear and then Reigns pinned Styles one, two, three. So, you know, I thought the finish was well done. It did actually peak just before the finish, sadly. Um, and as you've just pointed out, Kenny, it was rather predictable. But I thought for what it was, I thought it was well done and the audience were into it. The audience were into it all the way. Yeah, the audience were into it. I've got to say, though, from just for me personally, I, I'm I'm done with the Roman title reign. I really just it, it's it's so predictable now, and even when it's good wrestling, it's like you, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew every bit of it. I knew the interference. I knew it all, and it's it's been too long. So I think you know I'm just ready to you know, be done with it at this point. Um, but you don't I, need to worry, Kenny. It's going to be over soon enough. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm happy it's going to be over. But yeah, I can't say. I can't say this lit my world on fire. They did work hard, but I think it's like, you know, when, you, when you're when you kind of hitting the same note that's been hit and hit and hit and hit and hit, it's it's a challenge to to do it in a way that people are going to be having new to say about it. But yeah, yeah I, think, I mean, I do, I would do, do wonder what Orton Knight and Styles are going to do next. Yeah, I mean, Orton, you've got to imagine, is destined for something big-ish. Ellie uh, Knight, I wonder what he's going to be doing. AJ Styles, I think he's going to probably fall back a bit. Because he doesn't, I mean, to me, that you know, it's more important for people like Ellie Knight or Randy Orton to have a big WrestleMania match than AJ Styles. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of, you look at AJ Styles' WrestleMania matches, he's kind of been, you know, more missed than hit. Yes. Because there was the Edge match, there was the, was that a Finn Balor match? Am I imagining that? He did the Edge match in 2022. Um, did he wrestle at last year's WrestleMania? Uh, let me just check. And then he, had the, he had a set match with Seth Rollins, didn't he? One time. Yes, yeah. So, and then there was the there was the match. There was the Nakamura match in 2018, which yeah. obviously you know was a big letdown at, at the time. I don't think he was on last year's. No, he wasn't on last year's. But um, yeah, he's just. I just think it's kind of you know, Ellie Knight, someone who I think he he could do something on that show. So, um, I mean, Knight actually did really well here in this match. I mean, everything looked really good. He looks better and better. I think. I think he's really he's improving. Um, and yeah, I thought he I thought he worked really hard here. Yeah, I think probably AJ's most memorable WrestleMania match would have been the Undertaker one, the cinematic match. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. So then we had uh, the US title match: Kevin Owens against Logan Paul. And the story of this match became when one of Logan Paul's entourage tried to give him the brass knucks towards the end. The referee ejected him, but Logan Paul got got. Um, but, but then and then afterwards, when he was ejected, Grayson Waller and Austin Theory came out, and Theory slid the brass knucks to Logan Paul, and we got this finish Owen, where Owens basically disarmed him. He got yes. the brass knuckles. He clobbered Logan Paul, made the cover, but as the referee, Owens was pinning Logan Paul. Uh, but the referee could see the brass knuckles on Owens's hand. 
So he stopped the count at two and disqualified Owens for using brass knuckles. Yeah, I thought it was a really inventive finish. I mean, I know it's been done before, but I thought the way they did it was really good. It was a good way to have Kevin Owens kind of have a, an out for 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 losing the match. So I think these guys worked really hard. And I think that in terms of in-ring, it was probably the best match on the show. But yeah, I mean, Logan, it's disgusting how good Logan Paul is for how new he is to this. But yeah, what did you make to it? Well, I mean, the placement of it was a little strange. I mean, because, you know, really this should have been on before Orton versus Knight versus Reigns versus Styles. And I yeah. think, and they had to work so hard in order to hook the crowd. And they eventually did do that. The crowd were with them and the crowd were into the match at the end. But it was, uh, you know, obviously we just had the big match, the big four-way before this US title match. And, you know, Logan Paul is a big star, uh, but he's not, as big a star as Roman Reigns. So I I don't really understand the placement of the match. Um, but I think they coped. And I think, you know, the fact that it was a DQ finish, you know, it was okay. I mean, it was. I would rather they gave us a DQ than had Paul pin Owens. And I think there's more they can do with this story. Presumably this is going to lead to a rematch, maybe at Elimination Chamber, maybe at WrestleMania. I'm not sure which. Uh, but obviously, the fact that it was a non-finish means that these two are going to con- go, they're going to wrestle again, and I'm all I'm all in for that. You know, presumably it'll be some sort of street fight or something like that, some type of no rules match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, but, but I mean, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really good. I mean, Logan Paul's you can tell he's when you watch him. There's certain things he does, or certain things he does, and certain things he does, and certain things he doesn't do, and you can just tell he's not. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> veteran. And at other times you watch him and you think, oh, this guy's so good. Um, but he's, you know, he's so dedicated to this. You know, each time he has a match, you can know he's getting better and he can do more things. And, you know, I'm happy for him to reign as US champion for a while yet. Uh, which leads us to the main event, which is the men's Royal Rumble match. And we start off with Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso as numbers one and two. And they have this kind of face-off. This is the first time they've been face-to-face since Jimmy cost Jay the title at SummerSlam. Uh, what did you think of them starting off? Did this have the the kind of the, the big effect that you would think that putting these guys together after all this time would have? Um, I mean, it, it's a bit of a cliche now, isn't it? You know, these. I mean, it's like, what are the chances? You know, <laughs> back in the day when demolition started it off, axe and smash. Like, yep. Yeah, you're like, well, you know, and, and we'd never seen anything like that before. Because I think, I think, was that the second rumble? Was that the '89 rumble? I think yeah, it was '89. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it was all still. It was all a huge novelty. It was the first Royal Rumble on pay per view. Second Royal Rumble overall that had been televised. There'd been another Royal Rumble and a house show in St. in St. Louis. Uh, prior to the 88 Rumble. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was okay. I mean, I remember we talked about this at the time you brought it up, that after their big split, they'd made it clear that they wanted a WrestleMania match against each other. So this is presumably, you know, the foundations for that. Um, although I don't know how much interest there, there really will be in that match. And in some ways, I think... I'd kind of like these two guys to get back together as a team. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think if they're going to do the match at WrestleMania, because I don't think the crowd, I don't think this felt as epic as you would think it would. You know, because I think you would think that with what's been on with them, it would feel like this big moment. 
but kind of what we said before, if, if they're going to do a WrestleMania match, they need to amp up the story. You know, Jimmy has to explain why he's with the bloodline. They need to get into that again. Uh, I assume they are going to do the WrestleMania match against each other, but I think yeah. they've got some. I think they've got some work to do to get us. I think there's going to be high expectations of that match based on all the stuff they were able to do together in the first half of 2023. So yeah. I think that'll be the the challenge if that's what they decide to do. Well, I would think, given how the Royal Rumble ended, the the bloodline will cease to exist shortly after WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, and it needs so. to. We we don't need to go into the reasons why. Everyone knows the reasons why. It's you know it's had its run. It was very very good while it lasted. And now it just feels rather long in the tooth. And um, instead of dragging this out any further, they just need to wrap it up and have all the people who are involved or were once involved do something new, do new things and start new journeys. So um, maybe if Jay and Jimmy do have a match at WrestleMania, there'll be a reconciliation afterwards. I think I think that would probably go down very well. Yeah, I think people would be up for that. We had Grace Moller at number three, and then at number four, the returning Andrade. Uh, what did you make of Andrade's kind of performance here, and do you have high hopes for him on this run? Um, I knew you were going to ask me that, and um, I mean, we knew he was returning. Um, mm-hmm. He finished uh, with AEW at World's End, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's obviously a real shame for for him and and his missus that she's going to be out of action for many many months. Charlotte Flair. Um, I mean, maybe they were going to be like a partnership together and we're going to, um, you know, do skits together. I don't know what they were going to do, but I, I was hoping that if Charlotte Flair were around, there would have been some on-screen interaction between them. And I think that would that would obviously have been a new thing that they hadn't done before on TV, at least not in WWE anyway. Yeah. So I thought he did okay. I mean, there was some good interaction there with Santos Escobar and when he came out as number seven... And they uh, tried to, you know, buddy up to Andrade, who we already knew at this point was a, was a baby face. And we know Santos Escobar is a villain. Um, and Andrade was having none of it. So they ended up scrapping. Um, but yeah, I thought there was a yeah, good reaction to him. And uh, it's all in what happens next, isn't it? You know, I think he's somebody who could probably have a good feud, maybe with Austin Theory or maybe Grayson Waller. I'm not really sure. But I always felt that his last run in WWE... We talked about this extensively, actually, Kenny. They could have done so much more with him than they did. And um, at the time, it was no surprise that he that he decided to go and work elsewhere. That he's, you know, I think there's a lot more they can do with him this time around than they did the first time around. But I think probably his English, and the, the complaint was that his English wasn't that great and his promos weren't very good. Yes. And I think his English has improved a lot. So that should stand him in better stead. And it's obviously a different creative regime as well. Yeah, that's probably the first time that the Andrade Hardy family office will be used as a positive. <laughs> um, so, yeah, th- then we had at number five, uh, Carmelo Hayes, number six, Shinsuke Nakamura, seven, Santos Escobar. I did I did quite like when Santos was trying to kind of pal up with Andrade, who didn't look very interested. That was quite fun <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. to see. Uh, Karen Cross was number eight, Dominic number nine, Carlito number ten. And then we had, uh, you know, the rest of the first half was quite kind of pedestrian. We had Bobby Lashley coming out, and then we had a kind of big, you know, schmoz with Lashley and Street Profits and AOP. And yeah. I mean, is that is is that rivalry working for you yet, or is it still not quite no. clicking? No, it's not. I mean, Karrion Cross came out at number eight, as you said. 
he's not over. He's never going to be over ever. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, Carrion. You know, I, it's just it's just not working for you in this company. It's never going to. And hey, everything he does, you know, there's there's that phrase: everything you touch turns to gold. It's like the opposite <laughs> for Carrion. Yeah, the reverse Midas touch. Yeah, the old John Cena thing. No, but at least he was a star. Carrying yeah. Cross is a star. We know that. And he should be, and he isn't. And AOP, I've got no faith at all in those guys getting over. Um, I mean, Paul Ellering's trying, but I mean, he was in his peak 40 years ago. So, you know, he's giving it his best shot, but his time has been and gone. So, um, you know, I feel sorry for Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits, who mm -hmm. um, I think they could do a hell of a lot more with than they are. And this is presumably will be a fairly easy win for Lashley and the Profits. Um, but it also at the same time feels like a bit of a waste of their time. Yeah. Uh, we then, so the rest of the kind of first half uh, people after Lashley at 11, we had Ludwig Kaiser at number 12. Austin Theory number 13 and Finn Balor number 14. But when Cody Rhodes came, came out at number 15, that seemed to turn the tide on the match and kind of heat it up a bit, I thought, when he came out. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had the pyro. It was like, you know, they might as well have, held, you know, they might as well have put a sign it up on, you know, the video boards. This guy's a star. He <laughs> could win. Now is the time for you to cheer really loudly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the message was very clear how yeah. they felt about him. Uh, then we had Bronson Reed at 16, Kofi Kingston at 17, Gunther at 18, and Ivar at 19. Obviously, Gunther was also a kind of favourite based on that report, which the report earlier this week of Elite WrestleMania card, which Justin Brasso from Sports Illustrated later apologised for and said he'd been hoodwinked. So, <laughs> not a great day when you have to do the backtrack. Yeah, but... well, we thought, you know, we've all been there. You know, yeah, you've got to do it. You've got to do the backtrack if that's what it is. You you, absolutely, you do. Um, and the thing is, you know, we've all been there. We've all had to eat the humble pie and it tastes awful, but you've got to do it. And if you don't do it, then people think less of you if you don't do it. Hold your yeah. hands and accept you were wrong or whatever, or something's not gone according to plan. And, you know, you know, take the punishment, you know, take the, the grief and move on. Uh, we then had... At number 20 was supposed to be Brock Lesnar by reports. And he was replaced, and pretty much all of his spots and eliminations were replaced by Braun Breaker. Yeah. Who is now a member of the main roster, according to the interview he did with WB.com after the match. What did you think of Braun Breaker in this match and the way they presented him? Thought he looked really good. Um, I mean, he's he's still part of the NXT Dusty Tag Team Tournament, isn't he? Which I think ends next weekend at Vengeance Day. I think that's correct. Yes, it does, yeah. So presumably that will be his final night on the NXT brand. But, I mean, Braun Breaker's been ready for the big time for nine, ten months, maybe longer. And, um, you know, he's got so much energy. and knows how to pump up the crowd. He knows what he's doing in there. He looks devastating. Um, but I think he's also safe. You know, unlike hmm. you know some of his relatives, you know, he looked devastating. And <laughs> times probably weren't that safe, um, but yeah, I thought Braun looked terrific here. It was a, uh, I mean, we've seen him before on the main roster, of course, but this felt like his true, proper, you know, official arrival, didn't it? 
He wasn't like he was dropping in. This felt like this is him now. He's here. Better get used to it. This guy's going to be a star. Yeah. And I've got to say that when I saw him in the ring, and if he's the one who replaced Brock Lesnar, maybe he'll be the one who faces Gunter at WrestleMania. Do you know what? I, I would be okay with that match. I think that I think they could do something really special together. I think it'd be a great first program for him. And you know what? I kind of back to what you were saying earlier. I would rather that Brock Lesnar is away for a little while while it's figured out what happened. Yeah, and I don't think there's. I think what a great opportunity for Braun Breaker to kind of be able to come in and take a spot from an older guy. You know? Absolutely, and he should be the one as well who who ends Gunter's IC title reign. Yeah, what what a better what a better way to you know make your 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 mark than than do that. So um, absolutely, I mean you know Breakers holds the record now. It really doesn't serve any purpose for him to continue to be IC champion beyond WrestleMania, in my opinion. Um, and he is going to be one of the challengers to either the world title or the title Roman Reigns currently holds. Undisputed universal yeah, title. He's yeah. gonna be a, yeah, he's going to be... That's his role post-WrestleMania. I see title, he's done his time, he's elevated that belt, and it's time for someone else, I think, come WrestleMania, to take over as champion. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it does, it does, it does kind of seem like if Brock Lesnar had been in this, it would have been Brock and Gunther, which obviously we were, we were hoping for. I mean, yeah, I think... If Brock Lesnar can be sort of, I don't want to use the word cleared, but if if there's if if there's a, a sort of sufficient way to move on and say that he he was sort of innocent of the stuff, then we can do Brock and Gunter down the line. It's not absolutely, you know, yeah. I mean, I can imagine that you know Gunter's going to hold the big belt. He's going to be world champ at some point, yeah. And then you can do if Lesnar, you know, is part of the company in future, you can do Gunter versus Lesnar for the big belt at a later date. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we then had, uh, after Braun, we had Omas at 21. We had Pat McAfee at 22. The Pat McAfee one was very strange. He gets off, takes his headset off, gets in the ring, sees Gunther and Omas, and then basically just eliminates himself. And it just seemed like quite a strange... It, it didn't really work for me. No, no. I can imagine there were a lot of people in the locker room saying, why wasn't that me? You know, as Dolph Ziggler repeatedly said years ago, it should have been me, hmm. not Pat. And, you know, he came in with those cowboy boots, like he's Jake the Snake, like, yeah. you know, some hairband, like Motley Crue from 1987 cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. And it was fairly obvious he wasn't going to be doing anything wearing those boots, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, it just seems like a... Like, because the whole... Remember they did they did that gag back in 2012 where Booker T, Jerry Lawler, and Michael Cole came in? Well, that was actually quite fun because they were all in commentary and they all pretty much quietly got eliminated, but they all took a bump. You know, they all took a elimination or whatever, but this one just seemed, you know, quite half-arsed. As yeah, a, I mean, I, I guess you could say, well, Pat was putting over Bron Breaker and he was putting over Omas, that he, you know, didn't feel like he was a match for either of them. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, had he not been wearing... The cowboy boots, which you know just conveyed the real reason why he didn't get it. <laughs> Should he be wearing trainers? You're like, well, it would have made more sense. He's like, he's wearing those boots, and he acknowledged it on commentary, of course. And uh, you get the impression that him and Corey Graves are really, you know, great pals because yeah. you know they have such banter and just mock each other all the time and set <laughs> each other up for so much stuff. They are really 
funny together. I find them very amusing. I don't think Pat McAfee is actually a particularly good commentator because he's not really keeping up with it, but he is. I do find him entertaining when he's there with Graves because Graves yeah. is basically carrying him. Cole is as well, actually. So as once a year or an occasional thing, he's fine. But yeah, the fact that he was wearing those cowboy boots is like, that's the reason why he's not getting in the match. Not because he's scared of Omar and Ron Breaker. Yeah, exactly. Um, we then had JD McDonough at 23 and then R-Truth was 24. And I mean, if you were to sort of say to somebody, Finn, the exchange where R-Truth then is on the apron wanting a hot tag from Dom and Dom has to just accept that it's quicker to just do the hot tag than ignore him. And then R-Truth comes in and does a John Cena routine. Nobody else could pull this off. No. But he, but, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but he just does. I mean, he's just, the the guy is, is so smart. And, you know, you he think is. Like, the crowd went wild for him, didn't they? Yeah, they were going crazy. And he, he doesn't do a lot, but he also doesn't try to be more than he is. Like he's, he's aware, he's aware of what his role is, kind of like the Chelsea Green thing. He totally gets what his role is in the company. He's not trying to be, you know, Gunther or anything. He knows he's the comedy relief and I think he plays it really well. Um, yeah. We then had Miz at 25, Damien Priest 26, CM Punk 27, Ricochet 28, Drew McIntyre 29, and then Sami Zayn was the returning one at 30. Uh, this was CM Punk's first match in WWE in 10 years to the day. How well, did apart it's... from the house show matches. Yes. On, on TV match. TV first TV match. Or... First televised match. Um, yeah. How do you think he did overall? I thought he did. Uh, yeah, I thought he did well. I mean, he sold a lot, which, you know, is, I always like to see. And, um, you know, he, lo- he looks, obviously, he's older. Um, but I felt like he really did put people over um, throughout this. And um, I thought the elimination at the end, in a way, you think, well, it could have been more spectacular. But it didn't need to be. It didn't need to be when he was ejected by Cody Rhodes it didn't need to be any more spectacular than it was and like why take the risk I mean we know he suffered some injuries in AEW and they're very mindful of that he's obviously very mindful of how old he is he's only working part-time as well he should at this point in his life and career he should just be used sparingly in a way that's you know benefits him and benefits the company as well you know it's a two-way street after all there's no point sending someone on the road if if you know full time when they're in the mid forties, because you're, you know, risking an injury and then potentially ruining, you know, the real real purpose you brought him in, which is to do TV stuff occasionally in the big matches. So yeah, I thought, I thought he did well here. Um, in a way it was sort of a tough sell at the end because it was two faces, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing that was clever about it was by, by having it come down to, to punk and Cody, it kind of made the, the the final part of it more interesting because they are the two that we thought it's going to be one of them, you know. Yeah. And and then it reminded me of you know the Undertaker Shawn Michaels two thousand seven thing where they kind of almost have their own mini match at the end. Yeah, and and I thought I, yeah I thought Punk did well. I liked I also liked the whole presentation of having Rollins and Reigns both in luxury boxes, yes. looking down. Yeah, uh, I thought Drew had a good night here as well. I thought he was he was good. Gunther also had a good a good night, and yeah, I think putting down Cody and Punk was good. And I thought the line at the end where, you know, Punk smirked and then did the pedigree, and then do you remember the line that he said? Yeah, I, I didn't wait ten years to lose to Dusty's kid. 
I mean, what a line. I mean, I, you know, you just, you know that that heel CM Punk is in there. Yeah. That we're going to get, because we're going to get, we're going to get it on his terms as well, which will mean it'll be that good because he's not going to be doing it, you know, in spite well, of I mean, It's a manufactured thing, is it? It's going to be his version of the 2024 Punk, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, we can see it's there and that's kind of exciting to see. So Cody Rhodes wins. He throws Punk over the top rope and wins the match. Very emotional, and uh, he he points he he spots Roman Reigns. He points at him. So it's going to be Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. So Finn, this 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 pains me sometimes to do, but in this scenario, I'm very happy to do it. Finn, you were right. You were right. Oh, take it in. Have a little faith. Have a little faith. Vindicated. Yeah, I was really <laughs> pleased that he won. Because, you know, they, they put out all these false stories and we've talked about them. And that's what they do, WWE does, to keep you guessing. And we want we want to be surprised. Of course we do. Yeah. You know, we don't want it to be too predictable, except for when it absolutely makes sense. Then it should be predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I was really pleased to see Cody win. This all makes sense. I'm glad that he's, he's already announced he's going to face Roman Reigns. At WrestleMania, so it's going to be Cody versus Reigns instead of Cody. <laughs> instead of Cody doing something in the mid card and Reigns defending against The Rock, and um, and this is the way it's supposed to be. And I hope Rock's involved. You know, as you know, the thing I um, I have suggested as a his role on the show as some type of enforcer to counteract Solo Sokoa, you know, Jimmy Paul Heyman. And anyone else who might get involved. We uh, shouldn't we should mention that so the, the, the reports that seem to be out there is that Rock and Roman is still going to happen, just not at WrestleMania. Or just not Cody's facing Roman at WrestleMania, but the match the match with Rock and Roman, I don't know if it happens later in the year, if it happens the fo- following year, but the the plan is still there. But do you know what? Do the match if you want to do it. You know, my only my only real problem was was Cody having to suffer to make it yes. happen. So if you want to do it outside of that, go crazy. Absolutely. And the thing is, Rock can be part of that WrestleMania match, you know, because yeah, we're, he all can be the... of, we're all sick of the outside interference, you know, Solo coming along and ruining it for the baby face. And that cannot be allowed to happen again at WrestleMania. And if the Rock takes out Solo, he takes out Jimmy, and it's a fair fight between Cody and Roman Reigns, no one's going to say, oh, Rock won it for him. All they're going to say is, Rock made it an even battle between two guys, which was the way it was supposed to be. And and then Reigns can, you know, segue into the Rock feud. You know, I can't believe he did this to me. You know, we're related. You know, how dare he go against the tribal chief? And then you've got your built-in storyline for Rock uh, Rock versus Reigns, possibly at SummerSlam. Yeah. And I think as well, not that this necessarily matters to the Rock a lot, but I think, you know, for people like us who don't have a problem with the Rock come back to have a match, but we do have a problem with the kind of part-timer taking over the full-time person's spot. I think if he was to be involved in the anointment of Cody, that'll give him a lot of goodwill from people. Yes. So, you know, Absolutely. I think I, Absolutely. I mean, it's without a doubt with Rock there endorsing Cody afterwards, that's going to be the picture that everyone is going to use on for their story on WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, on the... 
on the sun on the well it'd be i would imagine cody versus reigns will close night two so on you know the late sunday night or the you know monday that's the story that's going to go worldwide isn't it that's the yeah. picture and you know it, into everyone's memory yeah and the thing is if they have you know if you, if you have that moment i mean i don't know if you advertise them or, or not but i mean if you have that moment where Cody is facing Roman and you know there's a ref bump or something and you get a solo and Jimmy beating down and Rock's music hits and he comes in and makes the save. What a moment that's gonna be at WrestleMania for people. So yeah. um overall though, what did what did you make of the men's rumble match in general? Um yeah, I mean I enjoyed it. I mean it was um I thought it, it ticked a lot of boxes. I thought it helped a lot of people. Um I think we're gonna get our truth and the Miz versus Damian Priest and Finn Balor, maybe a WrestleMania, maybe Elimination Chamber. I think that, I mean, it sounds kind of ridiculous that that match could take place. But I mean, since Damian Priest has got the money in the bank briefcase, he sort of needs to lose those tag team belts at some point, doesn't he? Yep, he does. Um, In order to cash that in, I don't know when he's going to cash that in. I don't know who he's going to cash it in against. Uh, it's obviously not going to be Seth Rollins between now and, now and WrestleMania because Rollins probably won't be wrestling. I actually did. I actually did hear uh, an interesting theory on what they could do with Priest, and it's that they could do a thing where basically he he has the the briefcase until Money in the Bank, and he sort of gets told at the start of that show, "You have to cash in by the end of tonight, or it's null and void," and that's his last night. And if he sets stuff up in the lead up to it, we can make it make sense. You know, that could be a a new way, a new way, a new spin on it, a new yeah. spin on the money in the bank briefcase that we've not seen before. So, yeah, absolutely, yeah, we, yeah, we've never seen that one before. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think you know, our truth and Miz. I mean, Priest ended up eliminating our truth immediately. So, Truth was really sort of, sort of treated as a bit of a comedy guy, but I think they can do that match. You know, and there'll be and there'll be so much, you know, love for that match at WrestleMania, and it's, it kind of sounds ridiculous. The truth and Miz should be the ones to end their title reign, but I think it'd be a hell of a match. I think people would there'll be so much fan support for it that it would be something that would just be yeah seen as a real magical event. And yeah, I mean there was a lot of things set up here. I think Bron Breaker, you know, he's somebody who's obviously you know benefited from Brock Lesnar's absence, if indeed he was in Brock Lesnar's spot. Thought he had a really good night. I actually thought Omas did well. Thought he looked like he'd improved a lot. He looked like a professional wrestler. He looked like he knew what he was doing in there and wasn't relying on other people to tell him what to do. Um, you know, and CM Punk, I'm not quite sure how he gets to Seth Rollins. I imagine maybe Elimination Chamber, there'll be a match there, and the winner of that will be the one who then gets to challenge Seth Rollins. So, you know, they've done that before. Probably they'll do that again. Um Sami Zayn returned. It feels like he's going to do something with Drew. That makes sense. Um, Drew kind of seems a little bit like an odd man out in terms of big matches, but he's got to look at what's coming post WrestleMania because I'm convinced Cody's going to become champ at WrestleMania. And Drew versus Cody, that's a big match for post WrestleMania if he resigns, of course. So I think, yeah, I think he did a, a lot. I thought Dominic Mysterio was a barrel of laughs. I thought he had a really good night. Um, yeah, Carlito looked terrible, but then what else is new? <laughs> oh, now that is comedy timing. That's how you do it. Take note, everybody. Um, I wasn't expecting that. Um, yeah, well, overall, I think 
I, I have seen today that the reaction to the Rumble is not that it was a blowaway show, and I think maybe part of the reason for that is because the, the all the results were pretty predictable. There wasn't really anything that you weren't expecting, but you know, I think I think overall I was satisfied with the show and yeah. what it delivered. I don't yeah, think yeah. it was, yeah, you know, I do. I mean, you, know, I don't think it was the most exciting Royal Rumble event they've ever done, but I think the I think they did enough for me to to for it to be worthwhile for me as a show. I would agree. It felt like a show that was building things. Yeah, you know, it was like a, you know, it's like the building towards you know, and the, and it was. It's obviously road to WrestleMania. And this show to me was all about setting WrestleMania up to be a hell of a, you know, a weekend. Yeah. And, um, you know, that to me is what Royal Rumble's purpose should be. Uh, but, yeah, I absolutely agree. This We've had more exciting Royal Rumbles in the past, for sure. Um, but I think this was a really, you know, very well thought out event. And it, it did achieve a lot. And I think that will become clear as the weeks and months pass. For sure. Well, listen, I want to thank you for all your support, everybody. As always, we've got loads going on. and We will be back on Thursday on Patreon and Friday in the main feed of the Persan podcast. We'll talk about Raw and whatever crazy news has happened by the time we record next. Um, if you want more of us, though, we're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. Content goes up every day. You can get our main feed podcast ad-free. You can get an overrun where we look at all the issues of Power Slam, do Q&A. We just recorded the 2004 Royal Rumble review. So that's up there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Sandra kept her record alive. Yeah, she did. With the uh, use of the uh, see you next Tuesday word, which yep. is now a regular monthly. This is a monthly occurrence. Always happens. Yeah, it's a daily occurrence. I think just get threats or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, check us out on there. Uh, issue 41 of Inside the Rose Magazine is on sale now. You can go to insidetheroatesmagazine.com to pick that up. Uh, lots of stuff in there. The Alternative Year Awards from Finn are an absolute riot. They're so funny. Uh, I've got the interview with Eddie Kingston in there. We talk about some deep stuff, which I think is interesting. And we've got the ITR Women's 50. Uh, a look at The Rock's, the Rock's Return. Uh, and loads more. So yeah, do go check that out at sevidotesmagazine.com. Uh, so Finn, I look forward to chatting to you on Thursday. And you know, I mean, what's going to happen by then? You know, I mean, it's just... I mean, what a few days. Just just incredible, isn't it? But yeah, was, you know, I was just thinking there when we were talking about the Vince thing. It's like, yeah, are there any more? That was a phrase I used in that thing that I wrote last year and from the top. Are there any more unexploded bombs? And yes, there were. And it's gone off. And you wonder how many more there are. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe one of them will go off this week. So I'm sure uh, Paul Levesque and many others at WWE are hoping not. Hoping they'll be diffused, yeah. Um, you know, by whatever you know events take place behind the scenes. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's, you know, I think there are more bombs, and you know, now they they ha- they've had to act, um, and I think there's more work for them to do. Hopefully, to sort of change the culture and stuff. But we'll see if we'll see if that's something they yeah. try to do. I mean, they need to do it. So you know, go back and look at previous you know scandals or crises in this company's history, and it's like they need to just sort this stuff out and just you know just make sure it doesn't happen and that yeah. um it's just that simple just you know just put the safeguards in place and let people know that that culture will not be tolerated and anyone who does things like that is has no place in this company it doesn't matter what position they're in uh they will be uh, they will be gone they will be fired they will have to resign they will you know there's no place for that kind of conduct 
in WWE in 2024. Indeed, indeed. Uh, very well said. Um, okay, well, we're going to let you go, everybody. Thanks for all your support, and we'll talk to you soon. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns